0: The following is a presentation of Genesis. Genesis is a place where you are invited to begin, belong, and believe. To find out more, visit us on the web at genesisthejourney.com. Let
1: me uh, pray for us real quick. God, thanks for a time just to um, find a place of quiet uh, in our hearts, uh, in our minds, and just uh, hopefully in our souls, Lord, that uh, we are able to connect with you uh, through signs. many different things uh, in our world and uh, father in these moments that we would have together that we've already had together uh, father i pray it would be uh, distraction free where we would actually be able to truly have a good connection uh, with you we would understand we would hear uh, your heart hear your voice uh, speaking to us so that uh, this would be a time not about us but about you and um, understanding who you are and ultimately how we might uh, live our lives for you. So, Father, please uh, continue just to uh, bless us with more of your presence as uh, we take a look at some scripture, and uh, tonight uh, ask uh, some questions of things of what you're doing in our midst. So, uh, God, just please bless. Just please bless. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, As I was just uh, praying, um, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. so welcome to Genesis, by the way, if you're here for the first time. Uh, I'm glad you guys came. Um, I'm not sure how you heard about us, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, we just finished up a series, uh, an eight-week series last Sunday called DNA, where we're taking a look at uh, who are we, asking the question, what does it mean to be human, and taking a look at who are we as a community, um, and the importance um, of understanding uh what it means to be a community that's on mission together and to actually do community, do life together. And then we finished last week by just asking the question of uh, if God is a holy God and His uh, call on our life is to reflect Him back to the world, uh, how holy do you want to be? And uh, tonight, uh, before we begin a a new series next week, I'm excited to tell you about. Uh, I'm not even sure if I've mentioned it yet, but we're going to be kicking off a really long series uh, beginning next Sunday, called Jesus, and uh, we're going to slowly walk our way through the book of uh, the Gospel of Mark, Um, and as I had been thinking about this over the last few months, um, I've been thinking about, you know, we want to follow Jesus, we want our lives to look like Jesus, so uh, why not immerse ourselves in uh, an actual study uh, of the person of who Jesus is? And so, over the next uh, many months, we'll take a break at Christmas and pick back up in the new year. We're going to immerse ourselves in the story uh, of Jesus as told through uh, the Gospel of Mark. So, that's going to begin next week. It's a great uh, series to certainly invite your friends who uh, have questions about who Jesus is. Maybe they've heard his name but are confused about uh, who he actually was, what he actually did, what he accomplished, and uh, what his life actually means in our life. So, I'd really encourage you guys to invite uh, your friends to come next week as we will kick off that series. Uh, for those of you who are new or have been around for the last couple of months, you hear us mention this quite a bit, um, something called life groups. Uh, this is a great time, a season, so to speak, to get connected into a life group because most of the life groups that meet throughout the week are going to be uh, trekking along uh, as we walk through the Gospel of Mark. So a lot of life groups will be starting new. Um, so to speak, as we start new in this new series next week. Um, Ladies, this is just for you. So men, you don't have to listen because it's not about you. Uh, Next Saturday, we're pretty excited about this. Uh, All the women of Genesis are going to be getting together here uh, at church uh, for something called Fragrant. And uh, this is an opportunity for uh, the different women uh, within this community to connect uh, with one another. There's going to be a brunch Uh, My most excellent wife is going to be sharing some things about uh, how to live a fragrant lifestyle. And uh, we'll have some worship uh, led by Lindsay, who is uh, our worship leader here. Uh, So I'd encourage you, uh, Lindsay will, if you want to find out some more about that, talk to Lindsay. Um, Or uh, you can just check it out on the website or go to Genesis Facebook uh, page and uh, RSVP that way. All right, so before I jump into giving you guys a microphone to ask questions, which is always a scary thing, because when you give someone a microphone, you just don't know what they're going to say. I wanted to ask you guys a question to kind of prime the pump a little bit. Hypothetical question for you. God comes to you, appears to you, and asks you this question. Ask whatever you want me to give to you. Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. What would you ask for? Once you think about it, God comes to you and says, ask me for whatever you want me to give to you. Okay, so this is kind of a big question, right? Uh, Or I should say it's a big question, but it's even a bigger response. This is not the Aladdin thing or genie appears and, you know, you rub the bottle and you get three wishes uh, and the genie will grant you the request. This is the living God uh, appears to you, creator of heavens and earth, and says to you, Ask for whatever you want me to give to you. What would you ask for? Would you ask for the greatest need or would you go for your greatest pleasure? Would the hedonist in all of us go for, uh, you know, maybe what's obvious to a lot of people, maybe the the fame and the fortune and uh, the wealth and the prosperity and, um, I don't know, long life? Would you go for that, kind of the hedonistic approach? Or would you go for something greater? Maybe the humanitarian in you uh, would say, yes, I'm going to go for end uh, poverty, end disease, world peace. Would you go for the Miss America answer and response? Or would you respond and request something different? Maybe there's um, the spiritual component of who you are, and you would say, yes. I would request that every single person on this planet would have a relationship with God through Jesus. Albeit, that's a very noble thing to request, a very noble, honorable thing to ask. But is that what you would actually ask? So I'm not going to invite you to share what you'd ask. I want you to wrestle with, if God appeared to you and said, ask for whatever and I will give it to you, what would you actually ask for? See, the, this is not so much a hypothetical question because this is actually something that happened uh, in the Old Testament. There's a man named Solomon. If you have a Bible, uh, flip open to 1 Kings uh, chapter uh, 3. Uh, some background on King Solomon. He was um, uh, the son of King David. His mom was known as Bathsheba. And um, uh, Solomon has now just become king because his father has gone the way of the earth as the scripture says. So 1 Kings, if you need a Bible, by the way, uh, we love to give these away to you guys for free. Uh, so if you don't have one, take one, it's on us. Uh, if you know, if you have some friends who are in need of a Bible, take one and give it to them uh, as a gift. Uh, so this is uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. King Solomon, you might know him. Um, he wrote a better part of the book of Proverbs. Uh, he wrote a book uh, that's the probably an X-rated book in uh, the Bible called Song of Solomon. And um, after Mark, that's where we'll go. Um, and uh, most attribute the book of Ecclesiastes to this guy Solomon as well. He was known for he'd written over 3,000 uh, different proverbs. I mean, if I could come up with just one like really cool proverb that was memorable, I'd be content with one. Solomon had over 3,000 different proverbs that uh, he had written, composed. He was also a, a musician composed over a thousand uh, different songs. He was a master architect. He was a politician. This guy had it going on. Um, And so God appears to to Solomon, uh, newly appointed king of Israel. And this is uh, chapter three, starting at verse five. It says that Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Amazing question. What would you have answered? What would your response be? Your greatest pleasure or the greatest need? A hedonistic answer? A humanitarian answer? A spiritual guru type of answer? What would you have asked for? I've been wrestling with this for a while. Of And to tell you the truth, I still don't know what I would ask for. Even after reading what he asked for, I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. One thing. One request, what would it be? Solomon's answer is in verse 6. It says, Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness. And listen to his response to God. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. When he said I'm only a little child, he's roughly in his 30s. He's not talking about a physical childlikeness. He's talking about an emotional, spiritual, uh, I'm I'm like a little child. Verse 9, here it comes. Uh, Verse 8, your servant uh, is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count uh, or number. Verse 9, the request, so give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? His one request, many people, if you're familiar with this text, you're like, yeah, I think I heard that he asked for like great wisdom, and God great gave him great wisdom. It's not what he asked for. In verse 9, he said, give me a discerning heart. And I want you to catch, before he actually requested that from God, he recognized God's kindness to his family, God's kindness to his father, specifically King David. He recognized God's sovereignty he said, the only reason that I'm sitting here as king now is because you have placed me here. I'm not here because I'm some great, awesome individual. You have specifically chosen me. In your s- sovereignness, you have placed me on this throne. So I'm only here because of you, not because of man or not because of me. He recognizes also who he is. I'm just a little child. I have no clue how to do what has been placed before me. You ever have a job where you're like, I absolutely have no clue how to do this job? This might shock you, but I feel like that about 95, maybe 96, 97% of the time. I have no clue what I'm doing. I hope that brings you great comfort. It puts a little fear in me, actually. But Solomon recognizes I'm like a little kid. I have no clue how to do, who am I to lead this nation, too numerous to even count. So he has a great sense of awe of what God has called him to do, which has led him to a great sense of humility. God, I recognize your kindness to my family. I recognize that you are sovereign and have placed me here. And I recognize that I can't do this job unless you show up. Then he comes to the request, and he said, God, please grant me a discerning heart. What's really cool is if you were to actually just read it out in the Hebrew, uh, the actual best way to translate uh, this phrase, uh, discerning heart, is his request is that he would have a hearing heart. Some translations say discerning, some translations say an understanding heart, but the best translation of how to understand the Hebrew um, is his prayer, his request of God was that I would have a hearing heart. Now, a hearing heart is one that's tuned into the voice of God and hears God and is able to quickly understand what God is saying and then also react, respond, meaning obey what God has said. So a hearing heart has the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. So why many people say, yeah, he asked for wisdom, biblical wisdom is the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. Biblical wisdom is not seen in like IQ, GPA, SAT scores, like how smart you think you are. Biblical wisdom is actually seen in the ability to live a godly life. There are a lot of people who are sharp thinkers, have great minds, but they live like fools. So biblical wisdom is the ability practically to Practical righteousness. Let me just say it like that. The ability to live a godly life by making godly decisions and godly choices. So he's asking, can I have a a hearing heart? A heart that would understand who you are, what you're doing, so that I might live in accordance with what is good, not with what is evil. Did anyone ask for that? In all of the, when you were thinking about what you would ask of God, did anyone think, if you knew I was talking about this, you're like, yes, I asked for a discerning heart. I read ahead of you. But be honest, would anyone really ask for that? If God said, ask and I will give it to you, I am absolutely blown away by Solomon's request grant me a hearing heart, a discerning heart, a heart that would understand the ability to live a godly life. God was very pleased with Solomon's request, with uh, Solomon's response. And then 1 Kings uh, chapter, uh, just continuing on in the story, he goes on and uh, starting in verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not long life or wealth for yourself, the hedonistic request, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and a discerning heart, a hearing heart, so that there will never uh, have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, Both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Because a hearing heart is not divorced from a life that is obedient to uh, God's commands, a life that is obedient. They go together very nicely. God was pleased with Solomon's request. Make this personal for you. Would God be pleased with what you asked for? Or would he be like, why are you asking for that? (laughs) Why are you asking for that? He was pleased with Solomon's request for a hearing heart or a discerning heart. Well, I'm not going to take uh, all of the time to, to talk to you about Solomon. Uh, But one of the things that's intriguing about Solomon is God granted him the ability to have a hearing heart. Uh, But just because an individual has a hearing heart doesn't actually mean that they will uh, treat as precious, as valuable uh, God's gift to them. Solomon is like the poster child who God gave gave him specifically his request and gave him so much more. But he started to live like a fool. The wisest man, the man who had, uh, was known for the most wisdom, began towards the end of his life to live his life actually as a fool. If you look at uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, uh, verse 9 and 10, it just says this. The Lord became angry. And One of the things you have to know about Solomon, I know the guys are like, yes, this would be so wonderful. He took on 700 wives and had over 300 women in his concubine. And a concubine would not just be maybe one woman in the concubine. There could be dozens of women in that concubine. Most people are like, huh, that's an interesting choice he made. And God had told him not to do this, not to marry uh, repeatedly, and he didn't pay attention to God. And as he continued to Uh, walk this slope of disobedience, his heart was getting further and further and further away from God. It's a great life lesson of, uh, if we think we're just not obedient in certain areas, it's not going to impact other areas of our life. The second you make one decision to start being disobedient with something that God has placed on your heart, that God's called you to do, told you to do something, one decision to be obedient leads to another decision to be obedient. And before you know it, You're living in a place of disobedience and you stop and wonder, how did I get here? Well, it started when you made that one decision to be disobedient. Now, God can still redeem disobedience. But Solomon, poster child, had it all, what God had given him, but he began to live like a fool. Verse 9 in chapter 11, The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice Although he had uh, forbade Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. It's interesting. Uh, we know some details, some more details about Solomon's life. Um, but we know that uh, he was walking down a road that was walking further and further and further away from the God that he loved. Tonight, I wanted to share this with you to confront you with a pretty important question. What would you ask of God? What would your one request be? And I want to challenge you uh, to make it what Solomon asked for, that God would grant you a discerning heart, that God would grant you a hearing heart, a heart that would uh, hear and respond to God's voice so that you would be a person who would live a godly life, who would be considered a wise person, not a foolish person. Now I want to just transition a little bit and ask, how about us as a community? Hypothetical question. God says, Genesis community. Ask, and I would give. What is it as a community that we would actually ask of God to do in our midst? Again, you can go through the list of questions. Would it be a a hedonistic response? Bless us with a a great new, brand new building and all cool toys and blah, blah, blah. Would it be a humanitarian thing? Would it be a spiritual thing? Well, interesting enough, uh, Genesis, this is the question that was posed uh, months and months ago. And the question that we're actually asking of God is that God would grant us as a community, both individually and then collectively as a community, that God would grant us a discerning heart a hearing heart. If you're brand new to Genesis, like this is your first night or your second night, um, uh, one of the things that uh, Genesis right now is asking of the Lord is, what are you doing with our community? A quick background story. Genesis started about two and a half, three years ago. Actually, it's just a Bible study. It was just a handful of us, four, five, six of us getting together together Uh, usually on Thursday or Friday night, just to study some Scripture together, pray for one another, and then we started dreaming up, God, what might you do with this small, tiny, little community, four or five of us? And we began praying and working through some of the things we felt God was burdening our hearts with, and out of that uh, was birthed a a new community called Genesis. And in January of 2007, uh, we launched actually our very first uh, worship gathering, which was downstairs in the basement. Very weird down there, but great having a gathering in in the basement. And uh, in, I don't even know when we came up here. Last summer, something like that. Summer of 2007, I think it was. Um, We graduated from the basement uh, to this place you are currently sitting in. Uh, But over uh, the last two and a half years, Genesis has evolved in many ways from a Bible study. Uh, Genesis then evolved from uh, we're going to be a a community called the 20-somethings, where our heart and our desire is to really go hard after kind of that missing demographic, uh, which is largely the 20-something generation is not interested in God. They're not interested in church. And uh, the four, five, six of us said, we want to do something about that. What would it look look like to create a community that was really geared towards going after a group of 20-somethings? And slowly over time, the community continued to evolve even more where it was not just 20-something showing up. We've got parents now, people have kids, and people who are actually older than me at 36. So over the past two and a half years, this community has seen some change, seen some transformation. In the fall of 2007, uh, actually summer of 2000, it's become a church plant sent out, blessed by, commissioned by Hope Christian Church. It's kind of the next phase I was thinking in uh, the process of where, what God was doing with Genesis. And so over the past year, there's a lot of conversations and discussions and uh, ultimately asking, what is God doing and what should we be doing? In June of 2008, uh, myself and the six other elders of Hope Christian Church came up with a plan, and the plan was we're going to take nine months, so the better part of a year This started back in June, we're going to come up um, and we're going to have a discernment process. Uh, We're going to position ourselves as best as we can to have hearing hearts and ultimately, the question on the table was, what is God doing with this Genesis community? Is God desiring to send Genesis out as a church plant uh, sent out by Hope Christian Church? Um, and so that's the journey we've begun. For the first three months, it was me kind of talking with the elders of, uh, this is what Genesis as a church would look like, and uh, this is the things we value, these are the things we care about in terms of mission and vision. And uh, after three months, it was decided... Uh, unanimously by myself and the elders to say, let's keep pressing on. Let's form a discernment task force, uh, a team of people that would actually start looking at uh, kind of the uh, gathering information of things we just didn't know. Where would we go? That was one of the questions on the table. We were looking at culture and uh, what different communities might we begin to explore. If Genesis were not to meet here in Winchester, where would it go? And so we, one of the things the task force was tasked with was, that simple question. Community and then ex- exploring the culture of that community. Are there other churches there? What is the demographics there? What are the ethnicities there? What are the, the social economic structures of that community? So that if we did get sent to that community, we'd have a really good understanding of who we were be, being sent uh, to love and to engage. The second thing was very practical. We start asking questions about real estate. Well, we, we would need a place where we could at least gather Uh, once a week, whether we're going to buy something or rent something or lease something. And so that kind of came in light of the different locations we were looking at. Third thing we were looking at is just basic question of finances. It actually costs money uh, to run a church. And so what are we actually looking at? Uh, How much would it actually cost to plant a church? And then the two other questions that we looked at is, Genesis being a church plant actually has implications for Hope Christian Church. What are those implications? Hope Christian Church has been in existence for about 15 years, and one of the things that they have desired from the beginning when they started 15 years ago was we want to be a church-planting church. And now that we're actually having that conversation, it actually has implications of uh, what that means for Hope Christian Church. So that's one of the things that we've been exploring is what does that mean for hope? And it also means something for Genesis. Uh, A lot of you, um, I don't even know actually how many, uh, maybe 10, maybe 15, actually have another church home. And you come here because uh, you're engaged for a different reason that you're not at your other church. And so this is just something you come to as extra credit. <laughs> I'm not sure. you know? um, you, you, know, Your church doesn't have many 20s or young 30s, that type of thing. I don't know. But it certainly means if Genesis declares that we are going to be a church sent out, that's going to have implications on you as well. And so all of this to say, we're Uh, approaching now um, the five-month mark of this discernment process Uh, we've got November December January and then at some point in February we're going to start really trying to make a decision of God what are you doing actually if you look at the scriptures there's only uh, church plant a couple questions that have come in is is church planting a biblical thing and um, just read the New Testament and you'll get your answer it's very much a biblical thing but If you were to say, is the process you guys are actually in, is there any biblical support for this idea of a discernment process? If you have your Bible, open up to uh, Acts chapter 11. This is uh, the church in Antioch. This became like the epicenter of church planting church. Uh, This one church in Antioch, uh, they were really responsible uh, for planting numerous, numerous amounts of churches. And something was happening here in this place called Antioch. And the church in Jerusalem, where the church was the hub, actually began, they were kind of curious. They were like, hey, what's going on with these people down in Antioch? Should we call them a church? Is what's happening there, is it from God, or is it a bunch of weird people who sit in the dark with candles? Like, is it that type of thing? What's actually going on in this place in Antioch? And so in verse, uh, chapter 11, start at verse 19, it says this, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to the Jews. Verse 20, Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. I'm guessing that the... The guys from Cyprus and Cyrene are probably youth pastors. They were probably like the yahoos of the group who are like, it's a good thing to go to the Jews. They definitely need to hear the message about Jesus, but there's got to be someone who's willing to go to the Greeks. And two youth pastors probably got together and were like, hey, why don't you and I, why don't we go to the Greeks? They're the most influential group in terms of culture. And no one had yet gone to the Greeks. Because if you impact, influence the Greeks with the gospel, you are talking about a world shift. The culture would change. And so these two guys said, you guys go to the Jews. Blessings to you. But we're going to go to the Greeks. And we're going to see what God might do with us taking the message to a pagan people who are obsessed with deity after deity. The 12 different gods in Olympia, right? Zeus and Poseidon and Artemis and I don't know the other nine. But we're going to take the message of Jesus to the Greeks. And so these two youth pastors, maybe not, but I'm guessing they probably were, said, we're going to the Greeks. Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. And so they sent Barnabas to Antioch. I can imagine the message was something is happening down in Antioch, guys. Before it gets too out of control, you might want to go check out. Is this a good thing? Should we support this? Should we bless this? Or is this something we should sever ourselves from and say, hey, they're a bunch of whack jobs and we don't want anything to do with them. And so they sent Barnabas to go find out what's happening here in Antioch. Verse 23, when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, about speaking about Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus, um, Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. If you want to know where the term Christian came from, it came from a bunch of pagan people saying, in Greek culture, we don't know what to call these people. They're not Jews, and they're certainly not Greeks, so what are they? Well, we know they love this guy, Jesus. They're all about living out what he taught. They're striving to be like him, so why not call them Christ ones, people who want to be like Christ? And so this is where the term came from, Christians. Christians. People in Greek culture in Antioch said, well, they look like Jesus, they act like Jesus, they think like Jesus. Why not call them Christ ones, Christians? I love this story because it, it is the most clear picture in the New Testament of the church in Jerusalem, which was the hub of, hub of it all, saying something's happening. Something is happening here. Let's send Barnabas, a church leader, To Antioch and find out and the question that they were finding wanting to discover is God in this Barnabas shows up and he sees the hand of the Lord was with the people in Antioch so the question we are ultimately asking as a community is God's hand upon this community is God's grace is his favor is God doing something in this community and if he is then let's respond if the, the, the answer is yes, God's doing something in our midst, then let's respond. If God's hand favor, grace is with us, then let's go. If the answer is no, then we've got a whole bunch of other problems that we'll save for another time. Because if the answer is no, God's not with us, then the obvious question to me is, what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, what are we doing if God is not in our midst, if God's grace is not with us? And the evidence of God's grace, do you know what it was? Is there was new life. There were people who were being born. It wasn't a stagnant just pool of people. There was new life happening. Hundreds and thousands of people were coming and responding to the message of the gospel. People were becoming Christ ones. It's cool in this community that many of you here for the very first time met Jesus. In the past 14 months, we've done three different baptism services where 21 of you have publicly declared, I love Jesus, I'm following Jesus. And most of those 21 were brand new confessions. Evidence of God's grace. That's what this discernment process we are in, especially over the next three, four months, is God, are you in this? Are you with Genesis being a church plant sent out, blessed, commissioned by Hope Christian Church? I'm talking a lot more than I intended to, no surprise to you. But I wanted to give you guys a voice. Uh, We have the Genesis uh, church plant cards, and uh, some of those have been coming in right there. And uh, it's important that you speak into the process that we're in. And so over the last month, month and a half, uh, a lot of questions have been coming in. Uh, So I'm going to do two things. I'm going to invite my friend Ian Whitfield. uh, Come on up, Ian. Ian is uh, one of the elders here at uh, Hope Christian Church. Ian's a great guy, but probably the best thing about him is he does a wicked cool Indian impersonation because he uh, grew up over in India. Can't you tell? Um, And uh, Ian is uh, going to answer some of the questions that you guys might have. Um, So let me first give you a quick kind of update, but there's two microphones at the back of the room. And the idea is whatever questions that you guys have, uh, now is a good time uh, to be asking them. Um, I have no idea what questions you're going to ask, so uh, start formulating them now and get ready to ask them. Uh, These are a quick update that uh, over the last couple months, uh, we're looking at three specific towns. A lot of the questions that have come our way is just questions about leadership, questions about logistics in terms of where are you going to go, is there going to be parking available. Uh, Believe it or not, that's a big question. People want to know where are they going to park their car. Um, A lot of questions um, kind of about the implications of what does this actually mean for me, uh, for Hope, for Genesis. And so, uh, specifically, let me address the leadership question. Someone has asked, is this like a Michael thing? Is this like going to be just a senior pastor model-led church where it's Michael and he basically says whatever and everyone just kind of jumps? I know that would be great and I know you'd all love that. (laughs) But that is actually not the model of leadership that I would, uh, uh, would go for. Uh, The model of leadership that Genesis would have as a church is something called an elder-based model of church. Uh, Again, it's very biblical. It's in the New Testament. uh, When new churches would be established, Paul's exhortation to young pastors like Timothy, like Titus, was to say, "Establish men called of God uh, with actually a list of 17 different qualifications. And so uh, this would be, uh, Genesis as a church would be an elder-led church. One of the uh, distinctives of that is that there would be something that's called a a plurality of male eldership, by the way. Some have asked, would we have women pastors or would we have women in elders? And I believe what the Bible teaches is pretty clear that uh, the role that women have uh, can do pretty much anything and everything within the community except be uh, a a teaching elder or an elder of the church. Uh, We have a woman who leads us in worship every Sunday, and I celebrate that. We have women here who who, um, serve communion. Uh, We have women here who can teach and have taught. Kyla's taught with me here on Sundays, and she's going to be teaching a group of women um, next Saturday at 10 o'clock. So we would have a male plurality of eldership with one distinctive, that there would be a clear first among equals, that there would be a leader of the leaders, not a dictator, not a senior pastor, but someone who would be a leader of the leaders. And in our current scenario, that would be me. That's the position I've had over the past, I don't know, two and a half years since Genesis has been going on. So that's kind of a leadership question. Someone asked me, well, who are these elders? Where are they gonna come from? And I've thought about like mail order. Maybe we could get some elders, uh, I don't know, to come in, uh, a lottery system. I mean, there have been people have asked the question, I know it's genuine and I usually give um, uh, a sarcastic response, partly because they're going to come from within here. We're not going to import elders or leaders into this community. Our hope, my hope, my prayer, is that God is going to be raising up men who are called of God and meet the qualifications as outlined in the New Testament. So we're not going to import leaders or elders into Genesis as a church. Location questions. Some have come in of where are we going. We're looking very specifically at Davis Square and we're looking at Woburn. Woburn is just a couple miles down that way. And um, Davis Square is a little bit closer to the city. We were uh, also looking at Medford, uh, but we're starting to sense Medford might not be the place for us to go. Uh, So we haven't ruled out Medford, but we're specifically looking more uh, heavily, so to speak, at two locations in Woburn and in Davis Square. Woburn would have great parking. Davis Square would have terrible parking. City churches, that's one of the issues they've got to deal with, is where do you put people who don't commute via T? Uh, one question has been the financial question. Who's going to pay for all of this? I think I've already answered that question a couple of weeks ago. But uh, uh, largely, uh, it's going to come from support within the Genesis community. Hope, uh, part of the discernment process of having a hearing heart, is what is the role that hope would play? Would they not just support us with a blessing like, we love you guys, God's grace on you, go for it. But might they have a more uh, financial role or part to play in that? That's one of the questions we're asking. Might they support 5% or 10% or 50%? I don't know, but that's one support could come from Hope Church. Uh, But I'm going to venture to say a bulk of the support is going to come from uh, this Genesis community. Another question that's come in is, who's coming? Well, great question, Uh, and one of the things that uh, I'm going to be very vocal about in the month of uh, November uh, and into early December is this, uh, that one of the things we're going to be coming to you with is if Genesis is to plant and become a standalone church, separate from Hope Church, sent and blessed by them, but if Genesis, God says, go, I want to plant you as a church, how many of you are going to come? That's one of the important things that we're going to need to know. And to what extent are you coming? Are you going to come as a spectator? Are you going to come as just a participant? Or what we're trying to create in this community is a community of missionaries, sent of God, blessed by God, commissioned of God, to be a missionary within the Genesis community to the culture that God calls us to go to, which has implications. Are you going to come not just in attendance, but are you going to financially support this? Are you going to support this by putting resources and time and energy? If you've ever been part of a church plan, it's madness. It's crazy. It's hard work. It takes a lot of time and takes a lot of people. It cannot be run by just a guy. So one of the questions I'll come to you with in December on decision day, so to speak, is if we go, are you coming? Are you coming? Um, I'm hoping you guys have questions. So if you do... Go to the back because I'm running out of things to tell you. Yeah, can um, Steve, there's some light switches back behind the scary black curtain. Can you uh, turn those on? A logistical question, what time would the service be if it were planted? If Genesis were to become a church, would we still hang out in the evening? Uh, And the question is, kind of depends on where we go. Or the answer is, kind of depends on where we go. Depends on the real estate we have. Uh, We might be limited to worshiping together as a community on Sunday nights. Uh, If we're looking at maybe renting out space in another uh, commercial area, whether it's a church or whether it's a school or a movie theater, just kind of depends on the space. If space was... Um, If this was an option, one of the things I would definitely go for potentially from the beginning is to do both. Have a a morning service that might be more accessible to younger families uh, who it's difficult for young kids to hang out until 7.30 in the evening. Um, So that's one option. Largely depends on on the space. Ian, Uh, anyone going to go ask questions? Sweet because now we're kind of falling into the dictator role of just, I can tell you what we're doing. (laughs) My favorite. Um, Ian, I'll ask you a question. I'm ready. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, What is the question? Uh, To the elders. Uh, Some questions have come in from Hope Church. Some have come in from Genesis. This is a question specifically from Hope Christian Church. Uh, The Genesis ministry has been developed as a separate ministry to the main family. Uh, The Church of Jesus Christ is to be one body, one family, not separate. Uh, We do not really even know the Genesis ministry. And so the question is, how can we be planting? Uh, It's kind of this question of a lot of people at Hope don't understand or don't get or don't know, haven't related, connected to Genesis. So um, this is a little bit more of a statement. Uh, There's not much of a question there. Uh, but I was curious to know if you could speak uh, as an elder from Hope and certainly um, a leader at Hope, um, the dynamic there.
0: Yeah, I think I would answer that if somebody asked me that question by going, just by reviewing a little bit, uh, some things that Michael has already reviewed, which is how, how did we go about setting up the Genesis community in the first place? What was, um, what was the sense that we had from the Lord about what that was all about? And then what actually happened? And... Um, you know, discernment, which is uh, the topic of the evening, at least uh, by way of re- uh, reference to what the New Testament church did, what Solomon asked for, uh, was a part and parcel of, of really the advent of the Genesis community in the first place. When Michael came, we sensed at the very beginning that Michael would not be the youth pastor for very long. Uh, that was actually the thing that we asked him to work his way out of. And after uh, you know, a two-year period, he would be... Uh, he would be freed from being uh, a by of our youth. And the question at that point was raised, what kinds of things might the Lord re- require of him to do? And what kinds of things would the Lord lead us to do um, at Hope Church? And the burden that was laid on Michael's heart uh, was for a community of 20-somethings originally. And when he brought that idea to us, that resonated very, very loudly and very, very quickly. and began to excite our hearts um, and we Spent quite a considerable number of months just praying into that, and discerning um, whether we wanted to even launch uh, that, which was kind of underway. You heard what happened in I guess started in your home, Michael, but we began then went to um, Barnes and Noble, and uh, you know, gradually this group of people, and we saw the Lord's grace hand upon the advent of this community, and then we went out to look at some other models that other churches uh, had deployed. Uh, To try to target the 20-something community, and at that point, that resonated very loudly with us, because we did not um, uh, have—we agreed that there were not a a large component uh, of our church, and it was difficult to uh, to reach into a community of people at your age, uh, or most of you at your age. And so that resonated loudly. And when we launched the community called Genesis, it was very much with that uh, with that sort of um, demographic in mind, and uh, felt very good to start something on a Sunday evening. But within several months, starting with michael the the, uh, the question was raised: Is that in and of itself a healthy community? Mm. And I wonder, uh, I think everybody probably seated in front of me would have an answer to that question at some place would sit somewhere on that spectrum. It depends healthy for what purpose and And Michael began to introduce the notion that uh, that the community that had started um, was um, it uh, was not as tied into hope as we, I think, had originally envisioned. Some of that was um, just the way it happened. Things happening at Hope, which prevented the cross-fertilization that we had perhaps thought might happen. Part of it was the tactic of how we wanted not to invite a lot of 50-somethings to come to an evening event that was for people who were uh, younger than we. And so we actually asked people not to come. Perhaps that was a mistake with hindsight, but we wanted to create space for, for folks uh, mostly like yourself to be able to come and not feel like, well, we're just going to uh, same old, same old. And uh, maybe that was a tactical mistake. Uh, and, and part of it was just a growing realization uh, that uh, humanly speaking, if people meet in the evenings, they're not gonna know the people in the morning and the people in the morning are not gonna know people in the evening. So, uh, so God was at work creating and uh, producing this community that's sitting in front of me. And probably it is more independent from hope than we might have originally imagined. And so the question that Michael has asked and is before us is, what is God saying in and through that? What is God saying in and through that? I mean, real, realistically, I don't think there's too many of you who know those of us that go to the Hope Morning Service. And the people who go to the Hope Morning Service don't know you. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. It is the place that we find ourselves in. So the question before us is, what is God doing in the context of that dynamic? And that's how I would answer the question uh, to, and I do answer it, by the way, to the people and the Hope uh, Morning community. One of the things I suggest to them is that they come, that they come and see what Genesis is all about. And the second thing I try to do is inform them What is actually happening at Genesis? Uh, Because it is far more, as you all know, it is far more than just a Sunday evening gathering. It is genuinely a community. It is genuinely a group of small communities in large community. It it genuinely has life uh, together. Mm -hmm. And um, Michael has led, and we fully support the notion of Genesis being a missional community. And so the church plant question becomes one. Uh, I think was really well said tonight, Michael, is that the reason to church plant is not that you can find a better building. <laughs> it's not that we can find a cooler place where there's parking. The only reason to church plant is to establish a base from which the gospel can penetrate that community. And it doesn't have to be that necessarily just that town, though that is one model of church planting. But it's not in order to be more convenient for all of us, specifically you, I might say. It is in order for us to go and reach and build a church from whatever it would start to whatever God would have it be. Hmm. And that's a question that we at Hope Morning uh, must frame before the Lord and are framing before the Lord. Hmm.
1: Thanks, Ian. Come on. No questions? Joe, bring it. Um, with this new church, would there be any height requirements for members? (laughs) Initially, we started with age requirements. We might look at the height requirements, but I'll get back to you on that. Let me pray about it. I have a quick two-part question. Um, with the new church, would you, uh, be affiliated with any particular denomination? And, um, also, what kind of guidelines would you have for theological beliefs for the church? Would it be modeled after something like hope or, there's so many different churches, so many different beliefs, um, so, what do you think uh, on those two subjects? Good questions, Joe. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, two of um, First question is uh, the denomination. Uh, Hope uh, Christian Church, which Genesis is part of, is an independent church, meaning it's not affiliated with a denomination, whether a mainline denomination like, a, I don't know, a Baptist or a Presbyterian type of thing. Uh, one of the things, uh, and there's room for that, by the way, it's okay if you're an independent church. Uh, One of the things that Genesis is actually looking into is might we partner with a denomination. And uh, there's uh, many benefits to actually partnering with a denomination. Uh, Some, uh, one main benefit that I see uh, is you're certainly immediately part of uh, a larger body of different churches within that denomination. But it's also, and there's support that comes with being in a denomination, but there's also a governance structure. There's an authority structure uh, that is appealing or intriguing to me. Uh, that uh, the final word does not just rest with uh, me or some other elders within this church, that there's other people that we actually report to and we're part of a larger context of different communities. So we are looking at it. Uh, The church denomination that I've uh, been looking at uh, is the the denomination where I went to seminary. It's called the Evangelical Free Church of America. Uh, It's um, a couple thousand churches um, uh, in the U.S. and internationally as well. And uh, one of the draws to them is because I know them really well. Um, And theologically, they line up at least with uh, where I'm at, and I did go to their school, so that that helps. Um, And one of the other things that we're also looking at is partnering with a denomination, but also partnering with a network. And a network is, um, uh, the network is called Acts 29, and Acts 29 is a church planting uh, network. And there's probably about uh, 250, 300 churches uh, in this network. It's not a denomination, it's just a network of other like minded uh, churches who have a heart and are crying out to be missional. Uh, the purpose of the church is to be missional, to be sent into culture, to love, to engage, uh, to serve hands, feet, heart, mind of Christ. So we're looking at both. Uh, some of the churches and church planting pastors I've met with uh, do both, actually. They're part of a denomination, but they're also part of this church planting network. Oh, okay. and the second question, Joe, important. Is uh, the theological question Uh, certainly that has uh, Joe? Where'd you go? Oh, uh, has to do with um, uh, the denomination or the network would you be part of? Uh, But my personal, I don't know if this will make uh, sense. Uh, This might be for another time. Uh, But I come from a very reformed uh, background, theologically uh, speaking. Uh, Maybe you've heard the phrase covenant uh, theology. There's a guy by the name of John Piper, maybe, or uh, John Calvin, uh, who is like John Piper. Um, (laughs) um, So I come from more of a Reformed bent, and that's, theologically speaking, uh, you know, where we are and where we would continue to go. Good questions, Joe. John? Uh, Yeah, with Genesis being so successful relating to and um, drawing in that 20-somethings generation, uh, how would, if at all, the mission statement change uh, with the plant? Would it would it stay geared towards 20-somethings, or would it radically change its mission to uh, cater to different generations? Good question. Um, no, the mission would not change. Uh, it would only change as the Lord led. But the mission's been pretty much the same since uh, Jesus gave us the mission. So. Uh, really, kind of where we uh, come with this idea of being a missional or a sent community is uh, from John chapter 20, uh, verse 21, where Jesus specifically says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Two weeks later, uh, Jesus stood before his disciples before he went to be with the Father, and he gave what was known or called uh, as the Great Commission, uh, to go therefore to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them Uh, to obey all that God has commanded. Uh, So two weeks after that, uh, they went as sent ones. They saw themselves as missionaries to the cultures and communities where they were being sent to. So our mission very much is that. Um, Also, I think you're kind of asking, uh, Genesis as a gathering looks different than your typical church. Uh, One of the uh, metaphors that's been helpful to my understanding is uh, kind of a two-hand approach. Uh, We have... Uh, our methodology, and we have uh, certainly the mission. Uh, our mission is we hold close fisted meaning we don't mess with uh, the mission. We don't mess with things like the gospel. We don't mess with things like scripture. We don't mess with things like who God is and who Jesus is and what Jesus did and the Holy Spirit. We hold firmly and hold fastly to the doctrines as outlined in scripture. So that is unchanging. But our methodology, we hold very open-handed. Uh, meaning it might look different depending on where God sends us. If we go into, say, Davis Square, uh, it's Davis Square is largely about 50% from our research is largely 20s, 30s type of population, very artistic population. So uh, one of the things that we would value is continued value of arts and music and uh, as a way to relate and engage those in that community. So Uh, Our mission does not change, uh, but our methodology we hold loosely. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul says it pretty clearly of, I become all things to all people so that by all means necessary, I might win some for the gospel. And that's our heart at Genesis is we will become all things to all people so that by all means necessary, uh, some might come to know Jesus. That's the methodology. His mission uh, did not change. Does that make sense? Okay. Maybe one more question where it's already past 7.30. Mark? Our resident Patriot fan. Go Pats. Um, uh, fiscally responsibility. Um, That's a big word. <laughs> uh, right now, I mean, is like uh, in light of like, you know, doing a church plant, would we be able to support ourselves, um, you know, In our current standing, what would have to change if we couldn't do that right now? And, um, yeah, what does that look like? Yeah, great question. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Quick uh, response. Just kidding. Nothing's quick with me. Um, As quickly as I can, financially speaking, um, Genesis is largely supported by Hope Christian Church. Um, uh, So they were uh, supporting my salary, which is a full-time salary with benefits. Uh, when we had a full-time worship pastor here, uh, Hope Church was supporting another full-time uh, pastor for Genesis. Uh, our budget, uh, which I think was like twenty-five or $30,000 last year, something like that. Um, so two staff guys and plus the ministry budget itself. Uh, last year, roughly, um, uh, Genesis uh, brought in, uh, in 2007 to 2008, roughly $50,000 in tithes and offerings. Uh, that certainly helped um, offset the cost of my salary, uh, at the time Jason's salary, and then the ministry budget, uh, but it certainly did not cover all of those things. And so one of the questions that uh, we will be asking of this community is to what extent are you going to be able to support Genesis? Hands down, the biggest uh, item on the budget is me. And so one of the questions that's on the table is my job. Uh, Might I have to go to doing something uh, like a bivocational type of job? where I, uh, I don't know, hang out at Starbucks and i Pen Penn because I'm there all day anyways. Might I get actually paid for it? Um, you know, work there part-time uh, and then part-time with Genesis until Genesis could support a full-time staff member in terms of a pastor. That's on the table. Um, uh, roughly speaking, to start a church plant, it's, you know, you're going to be paying. Uh, Hope has been great. We don't pay anything to meet in this facility, you know. And you're talking about if you take on a new facility, renting, leasing, or potentially buying, uh, the expense of operating a building is it's, it's expensive. It's a lot, you know. Um, so there are a lot of financial implications. Uh, some are going to be largely driven by where we actually go if God sends us uh, out. Um, but largely responsible, my hope is that Genesis as a church would be financially faithful, uh, good stewards of our finances, Uh, to support God's work and what he's doing specifically here uh, as Genesis as a church. Um, So those are, uh, Mark, I don't know where he went, but that's a great question. Um, And some of that is going to come down to all of us. Are we called of God? And if we're called of God, then let's support this thing. And supporting it does mean finances because church costs. So um, let me, uh, it's already 738, so... um, let me pray, and uh, my prayer is uh, as we started tonight was a discerning heart for each of us, the ability to um, have practical godliness and wisdom. But also as a community, I'm praying for all of us, and I want you to join me in this prayer that we would have a hearing heart. That's what a discerning heart is—a a heart that would hear God's heart, and we would be faithful and obedient, and have the courage to go and do all that God is calling us to go and to do. So, Father God, that's our prayer. God, thanks for the story in uh, 1 Kings and the question that you posed to Solomon. God, I give thanks that he did respond asking for a hearing heart, a heart that would be discerning as to what you are doing, that he might better follow you. Father, that is my prayer for Genesis as a community, that we would have a hearing heart. God, I pray that in the the days to come, we've got three, four months left in this process that we feel has been laid out by you. God, I pray you would be speaking. God, give us hearts to hear what you are doing. God, thank you for the story of the church of Antioch, that there was evidences of your grace that your hand was at work, that there was newness of life. There were people who were repenting from sin and confessing Jesus as God. God, let that be so here. Let there be evidences, more evidences of your grace where we as a, a community would not make this thing about us, but we would make it about Jesus and other people coming to know Jesus as well. So Father God, please give us discerning hearts in the days to come. Father, it will be a question put before this community. Are we called by you to go? So, Father, I pray that you would begin to burden people's hearts with that call, if it's from you, if it's from you. So, God, place that burden, place that call on us individually so that as a community we would know what it is you're doing in our midst. God, we give you thanks for the story that you have already been writing. We give thanks for the newness of life that uh, has been born here uh, in our midst. God, we thank you for the people's lives that have been literally changed, transformed because of Jesus. God, we know this story is not done, though. And so we would ask that you would continue to be the author of this community, to be the author of our lives, and that we would trust you that you are good, you are faithful and kind. So Father, please, hearing hearts, that is our request tonight. Hearing hearts, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you to Ian. Ian, thank you.
0: Genesis is a ministry of Hope Christian Church. We invite you to find out more by visiting our website
1: at genesisthejourney.com.